Ephesians chapter number 5. I'm going to start reading in just a moment in verse number 21. And our theme for this year is the unity of our fellowship. And we've been looking at different things that we need to defeat or remove uh, in times past and previous Sunday nights. And uh, one of them that we're going to look at tonight is defeating the enemy of indifference. Defeating the enemy of indifference. Uh, so Ephesians chapter number 5, and we're going to start in verse number 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. I don't think I need to tell you, I'm not telling you anything new, I should say, uh, when I say that our homes and families are under attack today. That's not a news flash for you. You see it, our country, Canada, needs Christian homes more now than ever before. It's great need. In our homes, we need moms and dads working together, not against each other. Working together. And indifference is a massive force in our society today. And if we're going to have the unity of our fellowship in our homes and in our church family, we're going to need to face and defeat this enemy of indifference. A former editor of a secular magazine once wrote, Civilization's Do not give up, they give in. They come apart, not in a flash, but by riches. In a society where everything goes, everything eventually will. I was like, man, that's some, that's some strong words, and he's absolutely correct. A place, a society where everything goes, everything eventually will. Now, we can think back to the Romans in history and see the exact same thing happen. Moral decay is all around us. And we need to make sure that we don't become indifferent to it. Uh, just recently, uh, I was in Halifax. I had an opportunity to go out there and spend some time. And, uh, you know, the traffic's not quite the same in Halifax as it is here in Toronto, okay? We live in an area that's super high charge, fast, fast, fast pace. And I have to be honest, I was a little envious as I was driving through Halifax and they were saying, oh, the traffic's so bad. I'm like, you got to be joking me. This is like Sunday morning driving here. This is fantastic. You know, there's a little slower pace of life. But the reality is our lives are so driven. So driven. And they're driven by the manager who wants that work that you have done yesterday. We're working massive amounts of hours. Uh, you're, you have a hundred things to, to do on your to-do list. Uh, I have a, uh, a sheet of paper that I write down things I need to do each week. And it gets a little discouraging when I'm getting, I'm trying to squeeze everything on one page. Lord, help me get it all on one page this week. I don't want to flip it over. We just have so many things to do. All kinds of things. Uh, uh, and we have uh, 50 bills to pay, or at least it feels that way. 
You know, there's all kinds of things and there's, you know, there's all kinds of channels, uh, TV channels out there. And I've heard people say, and there's nothing to watch. We have hundreds of channels, but there's nothing to watch. You know, we drive our kids from this and this and here and here and here. No wonder at the end of the day that we feel exhausted. And we have nothing else left to do but sit in the couch and just pass out and sleep. And we were just so driven and we're constantly being bombarded for lesser values by the media in our world today. Constantly. Social media tries to tell me all the time that I should be concerned about what this person is doing or what this actor is eating or where this socialite is going. It means on the feed. Shows me all the time if I'm really interested. I don't care. You know, I don't really don't care. Unless it's a burger commercial, then I'll look at the burger commercial. I'll be honest with you. Uh, but I don't really don't care what these people are doing. But the, if you weren't careful... If we're not careful, we feel this bombardment, and it's constant. And they're dumbing us down. You know, not making you smarter. <laughs> it's dumbing us down. And we need to watch out for it. And if, because if we're not careful, we'll become careless. And that's fine. And that by the constant, incessant bombardment, our schedule's filled with so many things, guess what? We get a little stressed out. We get a little stressed out, husbands and wives and families. We get a little exhausted. We become a little indifferent. We might be even a little bit numbed to what biblical values and responsibilities are. And guess what? If we get there, the enemy of indifference has won. We need not to be indifferent. We need to know what the Bible says. Now, obviously, I could preach a, you know, a whole bunch of messages about things that we could be indifferent about. But this evening, from this portion of Scripture, if, you, if you're following along, you know I'm going to be talking about husbands and wives, okay? Uh, that's what the focus is here. We need to guard against indifferences toward biblical roles. In verse number 23 of this passage, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Husbands, you must provide the role of leadership in your home. You must. It's not an option. It's not like, oh, I'll let her be it today. No, you need to be the, the leader every day. That's the responsibility God lays out. And guess what? In our world today, our society today, our media today, the culture ridicules the true biblical role as the dad, as the husband, as being the leader. You don't have to watch it any more than 10, 15 minutes and you'll see it. They, and they don't want it. They ridicule it. And you know what they substitute with it? You know what the substitute happens when there's not a dad and a real leader in the home, a husband? is broken homes. Broken homes and, and shattered lives. And scattered families. Hey, you ask some kids whose families are, are broken up and ask them if they miss their dad or their mom. And they're going to tell you yes all day long. So dads, show up. Husbands, show up. Be the leader. Husbands, you're called to lead. Now, biblical leadership is not dictatorship. Okay? It's not dictatorship. There's going to be movement on your part. There's, there's going to be things. Your wife's going to bring excellent ideas to the table. And you will be an extremely wise man to listen to the voice of the one who completes you. Amen? You need to listen. But at the end of the day, you're a leader. I, I love that statement. You know, uh, the buck stops here. Guess what, husbands? You're it. The buck stops with you. You can get advice. You can look for things. But at the end of the day, you make that choice. Uh, you have to be the leader. You know, as a, you might say, well, as the husband, I, I demand steak dinners every supper. Well, then get ready for craft dinner, okay? 
I mean, just let's be honest here. Let's be realistic. You know, the, the leader is not a dictator. You're not any more superior than your wife. Galatians 3.28 says that we're all equal spiritually. There's no one, there's none of this. We're all the same. All the same. And husbands, just because you're the leader does not mean you're always right. But it sure is nice when we are right. <laughs> That doesn't, that's not what the leader is. The idea is that you're leading your family the right way. Yeah, one day you'll give an account for your family before God. That should cause you to think about which way you're leading your family. That's your responsibility. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. We need to remember who is our true leader, who is the, the ruler over us as Christians, as Jesus Christ. We need to be following Him. We need to be following Him. So husbands, you must provide that role of leadership. Wives provide the role of completion. And the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helpmeet for him. For, uh, Genesis 2.18 and the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept and took on one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof and the rib, and, and which the Lord had taken from man and made him a woman and brought her unto man. And Adam said, This is not the bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken of a man. A godly wife, a biblical wife, is a completer of our husband, not a competitor with her husband. Okay? This is not competition. We're there to help. That's what the role of the wife is to be that completer. To help the husband lead the way he needs to. Now, I mean, I'm not saying you can't have friendly competition who makes the best spaghetti or, you know, who can get the chores done the quickest. I mean, I'm not talking about that, but hey, there's not, there should not be a struggle in who the leader is. Where God says the man is to be leader, the wife comes alongside and completes and assists and helps and move forward. I think my wife did this on purpose. She's not in here right now, so she's not going to get embarrassed. But my wife completes me. Absolutely. I can tell you right now, I would not be able to be a pastor without her. I couldn't. There's no way. She aids in raising our children in wonderful ways. <clears throat> in April, we were, it was a really busy month. We, we took a trip with our teenagers out west and, and we came back and uh, we had that horrible ice storm, remember? And, and then we had missions conference right behind it. Uh, so it was super busy. We were hustling, doing things. And I remember uh, uh, Sunday night I got home. I said to my wife, I am exhausted. The last two weeks have been insane. It's just go, 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 go. And uh, so uh, if you don't know this, as the pastor, uh, I just can't go home Sunday night and just go to sleep. I'm pretty wound up. You know, I've preached all day. I'm excited. Decisions being made or someone's talked to me and they need some help. So I'm thinking about how I'm going to help them this week. So my mind's still moving, okay? It's not like I can go home and flick the switch and I'm out. All right? So it takes some time for me to kind of unwind and just think about the day and things. So Monday morning I get up and, man, I am feeling not... I'm not 100%, I guarantee you. I'm just dragging, you know, where's the coffee, honey? <laughs> the type of thing, you know? And uh, I remember saying to me, she Marka, you look really tired. Why don't you go back and have, just take some more rest? Okay. I'll do that. You know, she saw a need and said, hey, I'm here to help you, honey. Here, go do that. I'll take care of what needs to be done. Now, assisting. 
Right? That's what that is. Helping come alongside say, oh, I'll take care of this while you get some more rest. You know, Canada is dying today for the lack of husbands who provide loving leadership in their homes. And for wives who fulfill the biblical role of completers and supporters of their husband. It's happening right now. We need to be that, what the Bible tells us. We need to guard from indifference toward biblical responsibility. The responsibility of leadership. Let me read you a verse from 1 Peter. Likewise, ye husbands, deal with them according to knowledge. Give honor to your, unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs unto the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. The weaker vessel is not a useless vessel, but rather it's a precious vessel. Precious. I mean, everybody has a, their definition of what something precious is. Maybe there's an heirloom in your family. It's precious. Maybe you see rubies and say, ooh, that's precious. Whatever it is. Uh, so I mentioned this morning that my dad and my grandfather own a mechan- well, tire shop, it's a mechanic shop now. And I worked for my dad for a number of years. And I've seen so many guys come into the shop there with some really nice muscle cars. I mean... It looked amazing. And, you know, they, they turn over that V8. Blah, 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 Who here knows about cars? Raise your hand. You know about okay, okay. You know exactly what I'm talking about when you turn over that V8 and you hear that thing suck back half the gas can at the same time. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, it just is, oh, it's so exhilarating. I love it. And I watched those guys take care of those cars, those vessels. They were precious. I remember one time I walked by one too close and the guy just about tore my head off. What are you doing getting so close to that? I just paid a thousand dollars for that front fender. I'm thinking, you're crazy, man. Why would you do that? But the reality is that was what was precious in their eyes. In their eyes, this was so important to keep, keep this car running the specs and make sure the gas and is, is coming in the right flow and make sure those headers are right and the carburetor is just, you get the, you know, just making sure it's perfect. Oh, those cars were vessels. They were not useless. They were not weak. They were precious. Husbands, you treat your wife as precious. She is precious. You, you are concerned. You care about her. That's what the Bible tells us. This is not what Pastor Alcock thinks this evening. That's what the Bible tells us. You know, treat her as that. And don't fall for this crazy idea that, you know, oh, the weaker. No, no, it's precious. Precious. Communicate with your wife. James 1.19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Gentlemen, I found that communication means more than just nodding the head. This will get you in a lot of trouble really quick. Okay, Don't do this. Okay, You need to talk. Okay, It needs to happen. You need to be talking, communicating with her. And the idea, I found... I found this definition of communication. I don't know if this is in the dictionary, but I found this going through notes and things, studying for the message. And communication, definition of communication is sharing information in such a way that it's understood. Sometimes we can talk and nobody knows what's going on. 
So communication is one where I am passing along information and the person who's hearing it understands what's being said, which I hope is happening right now. All right? And that's what needs to take place in our marriages, in our families. Uh, your body language speaks as well. You know, let me back it up a little bit here. Uh, so we need to be communicating. So, you know, you've got to be telling her, telling her your feelings. Now, we as men, we really struggle in telling our feelings. We think we're vulnerable. Who best to be vulnerable than to your wife? She needs to know what you're feeling. You, you, need, you need to tell her. What's happening in your heart? You need to tell her what's going on in your person, what you're thinking about. Now, we go driving sometimes, and I'll see a house. You know, I like those ranch-style homes. That's just one of my favorite things. And I can remember driving up here as a kid from Newfoundland. We had family lived up in Pickering, actually. And we'd come up and see them. And I see all these ranch-style houses with big lawns. And I'd be like, wow. Even as a kid, I always thought that was the coolest home. And I still, even today, I'm like... Honey, look at that ranch home. Doesn't that look so nice? And she goes, yeah, that looks really nice. And then when that nice, really nice looking Camaro drives by, I'm like, look at that car. That's really nice. I really tell her what I think about that Camaro, okay, when it drives by. I'm communicating. I'm having a good time. I'm just talking to her. And she knows exactly what I think about Camaros. If you do not communicate, you will suffer. You will suffer. Your marriage will suffer and I don't like to say it, but if you don't communicate, I don't know how it will last. There has to be communication. There has to be talking back and forth. You have to be sharing information in such a way that it's understood by the other person. Fellas, you can, like I've already mentioned, you communicate with uh, your body language. and uh, It's more than words. It's more than words. Your body language speaks volumes. If you're telling her uh, you're interested in a conversation, you better be zoned in, boys. You know, it's this. Don't sit down and watch the hockey game and be trying to talk to your wife because you know who's going to win the hockey game and you're going to be in trouble. Turn it off. Turn off the distractions. Focus. Communicate. Talk. You know, your facial expressions. She'll read them just like you read hers. You. you this part of communication. Make sure. That you're not drafting off to a nap when you're having a conversation, gentlemen. This is time to be serious. Uh, and you're communicating. I can remember this one time. Uh, since we lived here in Ontario, uh, it was, it's about this time of year, before it gets pretty warm, you want to turn on the AC, we're letting the, the wind blow through the house. And I kind of got this from growing up. Uh, my mom was always opening the windows once it got warm enough, uh, not too cold, just open the windows and She'd always say, let's blow the stink out of the house. That was just a terminology she had. Let's blow the stink out. Open up all the windows and let the wind blow through. So that happens in my house now. I open up all the windows and the wind blows through. And I remember talking to my wife. I can't remember what the discussion point was. It wasn't anything particularly major. It was just talking. And I walked into the other room. And as I was walking into the other room, a big gust of wind came and it slammed the door. Well, I had to do a lot of com- communicating that I was not upset because the door slammed after I just finished talking to her. Because you know that that's not right, right? We talk and then I slam the door. No, that's how kids act. Uh, we're not supposed to be kids, right? As a- We're supposed to be adults and we're supposed to be communicating. We need to be spending time. 
in that communication of information, telling them and them understanding what's being said. The experts in the field of communication tell us communication is only 7% content. It's 93% in how it's said. You know, my wife phones me up and says, Honey, we're going to go to Burger King for supper night. Woohoo! Let's go. I just blew some eardrums out, okay? I'm excited! Then my wife phones me later and says, Honey, we're going to go shopping after Walmart, or after we go to Burger King. Woohoo! I said the same word, didn't I? But how I said it and my actions or whatever, it's communicating something, isn't it? We, with communication, so important. A young couple was uh, informed that their Aunt Emma needed a place to stay. And well, they were part of the family, you know, wanting to do their part. And they're like, okay, Aunt Emma can live with us. Well, Aunt Emma nagged and complained about everything. Everything. The food was never good. The beds were always dumpy. And you know, you know the type. And one day, Aunt Emma got really sick and she passed away. On the way home from the cemetery, the husband said, Honey, if I did not love you, I would have never let your Aunt Emma stay with us. And the wife looked across and looked right at her husband and said, My Aunt Emma? I thought she was your aunt. You'll get that in a minute. The idea, there's no communication. We didn't even know who this lady was, you know. <laughs> this woman has been living in our house. I thought she was your aunt. And I thought she, who is she? Now, the idea is we need to be communicating. But you know what I found about communication? It takes time to get across what needs to be pro- processed and brought to the front. It takes time. It takes time to do that. Love your wife, gentlemen. Verse 25 says, Love your wives. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. I found this quote a few years ago, and it's a really good one. Love is better displayed than defined. Display it. Don't worry about the definition. Display it to your wife. And wives, display your love for your husband. Husbands, you, you need to know what your wife loves and appreciates. You know how you found that out? It's because you're communicating with her. You're talking to her. You're trying to find out what she likes to do. And, and it shouldn't take you too long to figure it out. So because I love my wife, my wife Michelle, I don't buy her model boats, which I think are awesome. But I don't buy her that because she doesn't think it's awesome. It's not what she loves to do. But I'll I'll buy her flowers. She likes flowers. And uh, I surprised her with a trip last year. She's always wanted to go to New York City. I still don't know why. But she loved, always wanted to go. So I surprised her with that trip. And I found some deals. And she loved it. And we walked everywhere together. I think I have some, still some sores on the bottom of my feet from all that walking. And all the subways, I mean, She'd get out the map and see what subway we're doing today. I'm like, oh, Lord, please help her not to forget what subway. Please, I'm so lost here. And we would just go all over the place and had a great time. I think she was trying to walk me into the grave, though. She walked me everywhere. Uh, but it was a great time. 
It was wonderful, and it was just something she always wanted to do. And I showed, I demonstrated leadership. Let's do something you love to do, honey. Let's go forward. Let's do it. It's going to be lots of fun. Listen, there's something that your wife loves to do. Get involved with it. I'm not saying that you got to be the expert in the field, but just show, hey, I love you, honey. Let, let me get in there and do something for you. Maybe you got to go to buy her some yarn for her knitting. Oh, well, do it with a happy face. You know, you love her. You, you made a vow to her. You're going to be with her for life. You know, let's, let's work together. Let's communicate. Let's show her that love. And it's something that I, I love to do uh, for my family and for my wife is I love to cook. I mean, my wife knows how to get around the kitchen. Who, who here ate uh, lasagna and all that food there today at True North? Raise your hand. All right. None of you are sick. You all enjoyed it. That was her hand. She made all that food for you. It's tasty. It's yummy. Now you know why I have a bulge in the front, okay? So she just likes to cook. I like to cook too. So sometimes I'll text her on the way home from work here from church, say, hey, honey, I'm cooking supper tonight. Thank you. Because I love her. I love my kids. I'm going to try to provide for them. And she hasn't complained yet about my cooking, so that's good too. Protect your wife. Protect your wife. Give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. That's in 1 Peter 3, 7. Uh, we, we just need to be watching out. That doesn't mean that your wife's feeble. Right? That's crazy. She's precious. She's precious. A society or a religious system that allows and or promotes husbands to mistreat or beat their wives and view them as property is wrong. It's wrong. It is not biblical. Absolutely wrong. You can't tell me any day of the week it's right. It's wrong. It's out in our society right now. It's wrong. It's not according to God's Word. Your wife is precious. She's wonderful. She's beautiful. She's to be valued. Hey, love her, protect her, honor her, spend time with her. Because you love your wife, husband, and you value her, you'll, you'll protect her from sinful influence. You'll protect her. You're going to show leadership by doing that. You're not going to be indifferent to it. As we see so much in our world. You're not going to be indifferent. You're going to show leadership. And you're going to provide that loving leadership and say, hey, this is what God's called me to do. This is what God, hey, you know, God's called me into the ministry. Every husband is called to do what I'm talking about right now. Not every man here is called to be in the ministry, but every husband here is called to do what, what we're seeing in God's Word right now. Nobody gets a pass. Gentlemen, we don't. The responsibility of the completer. Uh, I mean, you know it's the submit. We see that there uh, in verse number 22. Submit. This does not mean that you're afraid of Him. Yes, your thoughts, your opinions, and your concerns are important. Leaders who cannot, leaders who cannot handle thoughts, concerns, and opinions, in my mind, are not leaders. They are dictators. Now, true leaders will listen. At the end of the day, we might not agree, but you listen. And the husband is the head, so you follow his leadership. Obviously, not into sin, not into crime or anything of that nature. But the idea is that you're you're getting behind him and you're saying, "Okay, lead. I'm here to help. I'm here to back you up." 
And fellows, uh, let me just stop here. Don't neglect your wife's opinion. Don't treat it as trash. It's important. My wife has saved me from so many heartaches. She said, hey, I see this. You should watch out for that. Hmm, good point. I never thought about that before. You know, that's why our leaders of our countries, you know, I'm thinking Canada and the United States, our leaders have advisors to help them see things from different angles. Your wife is the one helping you, gentlemen, husbands. She's behind you. She's supporting you. She's watching out for you. She loves you and she cares for you. Yeah, that wife's there to help and to submit. I've heard a number of times from wives during the time of my ministry, but my mother or my dad says, my mom or dad says, the reality is she or he, your mother or dad, is no longer your spiritual authority in your life. Now, you all need to honor your parents, amen? We always have that responsibility to honor our parents. Absolutely. But as a wife, your, your leader in your life is your husband. And when we start bringing in relationships of mom and dad, trying to get them underneath the umbrella of a husband, we're doing it all wrong, folks. Now, we're saying, well, what my dad and mom says is more important than what my husband says. Well, there's going to be some serious problems. Because that's not the way God designed it. God designed it for the man to lead the home. Now, the relationship with the parents and children are not the same as with a spouse. I remember when uh, we got married. We, Pastor McLean married me and my wife 18 year, years ago today. He married us. And uh, I still remember sitting in his office and he him giving us counsel. And this was some really good counsel for me and my wife. He said to us, you know, a relationship between you and your parents is different than you and your spouse in this way. As a child, we grow up and we leave home. Right? That's the way God plans it. I understand we might stick around. Some parents are like, yeah, get out of my house already. You know, type of thing. Uh, but the reality is we, we leave home and we marry... That, that's, that this uh, relationship of the child with the parent is different. Always supposed as a child to honor my parents. But now I'm moved out. I'm no longer underneath my father's umbrella as such of the home. Now I'm in my home. And my husband is the leader of my home. And I need to follow him. Now that's not to say you can't ask for your parents' advice and they can give some good advice, but at the end of the day, husbands and wives, the relationship is till death do us part. As a child, we just move on. You know, I left home when I was 19. I didn't leave home because my home was horrible and my parents treated me horribly or anything. No, my parents are great. But that's the process that God has for us. You know, and one day, my kids are going to move on. My kids are going to get married. Hey, so it's part of, it happens all the time. Let's be careful that we're not bringing other influences, that we're submitting wives to the voice of someone else outside of the leadership that God's provided, and that's our husbands. They need to watch out for that. Encourage him as unto the Lord. I've had many husbands say, she's always nagging me, but never says I'm doing a good job. And I've often asked the individual, what are you doing when she nagged you? That, or you're telling me she nagged you. And the guy says, nothing. Mm-hmm. There you go. You're not doing anything. Show some leadership. Do something. And seriously, wives, you know, you're there to encourage your husband. Encourage him along. He needs to hear from your lips that he is the man. 
Because He is the man. You chose Him. You said yes. You said yes. I'm marrying you. You know, we maybe some of you watched the royal wedding yesterday morning. I don't know. Maybe some of you did. I saw it on television and saw parts of it. And they said, "Till death do us part." I choose you. We made the same choice. Now we didn't have the horse and carriage and everything else, but we made the same decision. I choose you. He needs to hear from you. He needs your encouragement more than you know. I've had some husbands sit in my offices and seriously wonder if their wife thought much of them at all. Wives, don't become indifferent to your responsibility, and that's to encourage him, to help him, uh, and to be there to just you know you know encourage him in his leadership. And you'll find joy in serving your husband, and you're serving your husband, you're serving the Lord, Amen. Just as the husband's responsibility to lead, you're just there to complete and serve and help him along and, and submit to his authority and encourage him as unto the Lord. Guard against indifferences toward biblical rewards. Look over in First Peter. I think I've read this verse again before, but let's turn over there. We're almost done. First Peter. Three and verse number seven. <clears throat> yeah, I had read it earlier. I thought I did, but let's read it again. Uh, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as be heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. The reward of answered prayer. A loving, forgiving marriage benefits from the prayers of the husband. We all need to be in prayer for our marriages and for our families. We all do. But husbands, we are the leaders. And we need to show it. You need to be men of prayer. And just not to bless the food at the kitchen table. Though that's important. Your children and your wife need to know that you're spending time praying for them. Maybe praying with them. Show them that this is important. Praying is important. I'll tell you right now, it made a lasting impression upon me as a little guy, grown up in a home, my dad did not get saved until I was probably about three or four. So I can't remember anything but my dad being saved and going to church and doing what's right. But I'll never forget coming down from <clears throat> uh, the upstairs level of our home. There was three rooms up there and, our, and things. And then on the next level was the living room, dining room, kitchen. And I remember many times coming down those steps, you know, cold morning, Oh, it's so cold. And there's Dad at the couch, kneeling and praying. Kneeling and praying. And I can remember the first time I can really kind of absorb that. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I mean, I, I didn't take a brain surgeon to figure out what he was doing, right? He was praying. But then I go down another time. Same place, same time, doing it again. And then later on, uh, he moved from there. I guess we were getting a little bit too loud in the morning. He went downstairs towards, uh, no, I'm thinking about it. It's probably because he was getting just a little bit colder. And he went down by the wood stove. And he'd be there reading his Bible and praying in a chair. I'm going to tell you right now, that made a lasting impression in my heart. I remember even asked him sometimes, Dad, what are you doing? After he was done. He said, I'm praying for you, Mark. 
Wow. Thanks, Dad. No, I didn't ask what he was praying about me for. (laughs) I just wanted to move on with the day. But just to see that he took time to pray. And I look back down. I know God answered some of my dad's prayers in great and marvelous ways. The reward of answered prayer. The reward of grace of eternal life. We need to remember the reality that uh, your saved spouse and you will spend eternity together in heaven alongside, I hope, your children and your grandchildren and you'll spend eternity praising God. That should be a wonderful thing to know. The person that you spent uh, your life with is going to spend eternity there in heaven, you're going to be there with them, along with the great host that will be in heaven, praising and honoring God together. Uh, I was thinking about it this week. Uh, you know, I've almost spent more time with my wife than I did living at home. Um, one more year, and then I'll be more time you know, married than living with my parents. I left just before I turned 19. Hey. God's blessed in so many wonderful ways. And I don't get up here to say that I got all this figured out what I've been talking to you about in the Word of God. No, no, listen, I still got to work at it. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I mess up. It's a continual process that we're working at it, we're working at it, and we're working at it. As our culture is at a, a breakneck speed, moving towards so many other things and moving away from biblical values. Isn't our culture moving away from biblical? I mean, it's, it's gone away from biblical values. And as it continues that, that direction, we need to make sure as husbands and wives that we don't get sucked into the vortex and slide into indifference concerning our relationships. We need to watch out. We need to be on guard. We need to be diligent about it. And may God help us to remain sensitive to the roles that He's Assigned us what He's planned for us, what He wants us to do. His responsibilities that He has for us. We need to take them and be serious about it. It's not a, it's not a passing fad, folks. It's serious. And we need to take what He tells us in a serious manner. And may the Lord help us to, to be concerned about fighting indifference. And we can apply it to other parts of our lives as well, but in our marriages. In our homes. And I really believe with all my heart that God's Word has the answers for us. Amen? God's Word is true. It's never going to fade away. It's God's Word. It won't drift away as an old dusty book. It's God's Word. God has a plan. Have you ever come to a place in your life and there's a problem and you're like, what's the plan? Has anyone been there? I've been there. I don't know how this is going to work. What's the plan? And sometimes it's not with a great deal of confidence that I come up with a plan, but what's the plan? Help! We need a plan. Well, if you're here this evening and you're saying, I need help in my marriage, God's got a plan. If you're here this evening and say, hey, my marriage is doing pretty good, God still has a plan. And you're here tonight and say, my marriage is fantastic. It's never been better. Well, praise the Lord. He's still got a plan for you. And we need to follow it. And if we follow it, then we can defeat the enemy of indifference in our marriages. And we need to watch out for it. Because it's insidious. It can be very subtle. 
Let's make sure that we don't toss to the side, but we're serious about fighting this enemy and seeing it defeated.